everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 150, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Joining us as always, the crew, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What is up, Richard? How was your weekend? Uh, pretty good, except for some unexpected yeah. events, but uh, it was Thanksgiving and Black Friday, so good time yes. to spend time with family. Yes, very much so. Uh, Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, your, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. What is up, Seth? I'm, I'm getting there. I'm like, I'm revving up. <laughs> uh, long weekend. Yes, definitely a long weekend. Uh, doing well, guys. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, still recovering from uh, <laughs> a lot of different things, but I hope... Everyone overall uh, had a great weekend for those of us in the States that were f- celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, got to have some quality, you know, relaxation time and to see loved ones and enjoy themselves. Um, so on the docket today, uh, we are going to talk about the kind of the wrap-up of Unstable, uh, focus on a few individual cards that were released after the fact, um, you know, that we recorded last week. Uh, that will lead us into a general talk about Iconic Masters. Iconic Masters was released. Um, prices continue to trend downward. Uh, there's a lot of product out there. Um, the issues with you know said product. So we kind of just wanted to have a general discussion about it. Um, and then we wanted to discuss uh, in a more general manner. Um, you know, take this kind of general view on on what happened over the weekend about bullying in our community and the unfortunate events that have happened um and and we're going to try to you know have a discussion about that as well as best we can uh so let's just jump right in let's um let's talk about unstable take it away richard all right so since our last podcast we had i think two days of spoilers including the full spoiler some interesting mythic rares so we'll start off with the chase mythic of the set i think urza Academy Headmaster, Planeswalker, Legendary Planeswalker, Urza, white, blue, black, red, green. So one of every color, plus one, head to askurza.com and click plus one, minus one, head to askurza.com and click minus one, minus six, go there and click minus six, four starting loyalty. So we're going to evaluate this card without knowing what any of its abilities are. Go. <laughs> so, no, let me ask you guys. My understanding of this when I saw it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, so you play this card, you pull out your phone or something, you click that and you get, like, one of some number of random abilities? Like, do you go to the website every time you play this card? Or are they, like, revealing the abilities and the card's going to have actual abilities set on them when it's printed? No, no, I think every time you want to plus it, you go to the site, and then you plus, and, like, a new something ability shows up. up. Okay. That's it's what basically, I was... like, RNG or something. Like, you so don't I do it, it once at the beginning of the game, or you don't just print out a checklist card or something and just use it forever, but you have to be online and clicking plus one every time. That That is my assumption. Yeah, yeah okay. The way, That's the what way I, I read it, yeah, because it says click minus one, click plus one, and click minus six, so I'm assuming... It's because it's going to give you, like, a random thing every time or something like that. So I hate this card. <laughs> I, I, I think I like that it's Urza. It's a five-color planeswalker. It's cool. The problem I see is, first off, 
sometimes you play magic in places where you don't have like the internet handy. And second off, Wizards printed a URL on Urza's hot tub back in one of the last unsets, and it just goes to a page not found. Like it. So what happens three years from now or five years from now when you want to play Urza and it goes to some dead website because Wizards has moved past Unstable and is making Modern Masters 2022 or something? So those are my concerns. Yeah, that was one of my immediate concerns too is like how long like it's directly tied to a website and however long they decide to keep the website going. Like I I I agree it's fun. It's it's different, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I don't understand like yeah, maybe in 5 years from now, I don't know how long it took for the the hot tub website to come down but unfortunate as it is when you go there it's like a 404 ever website so it's however long they decide to keep this up i agree with you guys i i like the fact that it's urza but at the same time i think it's just so wrong that our first urza planeswalker is this joke card like why why is he an unstable like he should just be a real planeswalker and is this supposed to be his head only is that what this is it's not actually him it's just his head <laughs> like futurama <laughs> but, yeah like it's so weird right like they should have just made urza like correctly in the real set but i think this is some kind of weird hearthstone test right like you want rng in your game here you go <laughs> right we'll just tie it to a digital product i.e the website and now your plus one can evolve over time it can be errated or balanced. Uh, you know, you can make it fun and interesting every time you use it. It, it just... This sounds like a Hearthstone Planeswalker. So I wonder if they're, like, testing this maybe for Arena or just seeing how people perceive this card. And I don't know, maybe they incorporate more of this design in the future. But it does seem like it's some kind of weird test for, you know, how people will receive RNG-based things on their Planeswalker. I think that's a, a good point. It could be a test for stuff in the future. Ah, man. I'm doubly troubled because it's wizards. Like, I have you ever tried to just, like, look up something simple on their website? Like, <laughs> it, it's a nightmare. Like, if there's... Wizards does making magic cards really well, but they do making websites really poorly. That's not their strong suit. So I hope that this isn't a trend for the future that creeps over into the black border world. I would be very disappointed if, uh, I don't know, there's a new Karn or something in Dominaria or one of those sets, and you gotta go to a website to figure out its abilities. I would I would be so mad. Next card, the long-awaited vanilla mythic Infinite, or sorry, Infinity Elemental, four red, 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 so seven converted mana costs, Creature elemental, its power is infinity, its toughness is five. So infinity, five. Uh, I think it's very cool. I think it's the best vanilla creature. I mean, I, I, I don't know what more to say about that. It's, it's, it's vanilla, it's funny, it's great, but uh, I, mean, I don't know. In, like, 99 out of 100 games, it's basically a 25. Like, that's how I think of it. it it's basically, sure. uh, that's what it is. So I think it's cool. The one thing I was really disappointed about is I figured it would be, like, sideboard tech to beat infinite life combos, but apparently they ruled that that doesn't work, and if you gain infinite life, you don't die to infinity elemental somehow, which wait, that wait. doesn't make any sense to Why? me. Why? You can't gain infinite life. 
because you have always have to name a number in magic, right? Like, there's no such thing as infinite life, but this is infinite power. That is true. <sighs> How does okay. this... What? Really? They said that in their rules? I don't know, because I said that... I talked about that in my YouTube video when it was first spoiled, and a lot of people said I was wrong, and it doesn't defeat infinite life so combos. It, so you're going to learn a lot about math, but I think infinity minus infinity is not zero, right? Like, that. I, that is not a thing. So yeah. in that sense, that's correct, but... In the current rules of magic, when you gain infinite life, you have to name an arbitrarily large number, like six billion. Yeah. But so six you... billion <laughs> minus infinity should should be under zero, right? I have no idea. Yeah, no, I think you should still lose if this connects. I mean, is it this is... like the five-year-old like infinity plus one kind of thing? Like, I, I don't... It is pretty sweet to fling at people. That's mostly what I want to do. Yeah, I, I would... That would be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> uh, I... I mean, it, there are certain cases where this is greater than 20. For example, uh, if you sacrifice it to draw cards, you can draw your commander deck because it's like infinity, so you can draw infinity cards. So, but then you mill out and die, right? Yeah, but you have a lab maniac. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I don't know. I, I think it's really cool. Like Magic taught me so much vocabulary as a kid. <laughs> so now it can teach you math because we have this card. We have the card that does pie damage as well. So people are going to learn about math and how infinity works and stuff like that. So I think it's pretty cool. And it's pretty balanced for an infinite power card. Like, it's just five toughness. You can kill it. It's not terrible. So it's, you know, it's not like crazy and weird. It's actually quite balanced for what it is. Maybe underpowered given that it's seven mana. But it's, it's pretty good for an infinite power card. I think it's cool. I mean, making a vanilla mythic has to be one of the hardest card designs to make, so I yeah. think this was a good way of doing it. They've used up their entire design space for vanilla mythic now. What are they going to do for the next <laughs> one? Next one's going to be going to be zero <laughs> infinity. Infinite toughness. Infinite <laughs> yeah. toughness wall. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Next card, we have Cramped Bunker. Four red-green enchantment. At the beginning of each player's or of each opponent's upkeep, that player moves a permanent he or she controls to touch Cramp's bunker and no other permanents. If he or she can't destroy each permanent that player controls that isn't touching Cramp's bunker, then sacrifice it. Wait, does that say non-land or just any permanent? Uh, moves a permanent. Yeah, Ooh. Just, just a permanent. I kind of like this card. Yeah, I saw that you really like this card too, Richard. To me, I mean. Obviously, it was a green card, but uh, I thought this was really well done. I thought this was a pretty interesting card. I, I like these kind of dexterity yeah. things. <laughs> it's, like, interesting, and there's some strategy to it, and it's just cool trying to stack cards onto this card. <laughs> and it's a cramped bunker, so I like the flavor, too. So I actually really like this, and it's one of those things I wish I could play, but I'll never, ever play <laughs> because it's not available <laughs> on Moto. And I don't know how you'd make it work on Moto, but... Uh, I think this this is one of those cards that I'm glad they included. Yeah, I think it's fun. It kind of calls back to some old cards, but it seems like it's pretty powerful. Like, how many cards do you think you can get touching this before the rest are going to get blown up? Like, maybe four? Six? Like, what's, what's the maximum? You can probably get way... Actually, I don't know. I mean, four <laughs> minimum, right? So I, I'm assuming you can do... Maybe eight, because if you get the corners, but I don't know. Like, it, it has this thing where when it's your turn, 
you kind of want to cover as much of the card as possible and try to kill the next person. But if it ever wraps back around to you, like you're screwed <laughs> because you took up all the space, right? <laughs> so you want to kind of hose the other players, but not too much because if it gets back to you, you're, you're going to hose yourself. So it's actually pretty interesting. I wonder I like how that, that works it's... with like tapping and stuff. Can you tap your your lands that are on top of this and stuff? Ooh, what if question. they, when you tap them, it stops touching because they moved? You, you gotta, <laughs> it's like I tapped it one degree. <laughs> Did you see it? It's tapped. Yeah, yeah. Ma- magic arena style tapping. <laughs> That, it's a test. It's a test for arena. Like everything. That, that thirty degree tap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as luck would have it, one green or sorry, just a single green mana enchantment, hexproof. Whenever you roll a die, put a number of luck counters on it, uh, equal to the result. Then, if there are a hundred or more luck counters on it, you win the game. It seems really easy to win with this card. Definitely. It's what? it's like the unstable version of Helix Pinnacle, but much better is way it really faster. that easy though way better <laughs> like you have to roll a lot of a lot of die, dice to do this but they have like that but you brainiac card they don't specify that you, which like, die so you could just keep rolling a d20 every turn wait you can't do that <laughs> that's gotta be cheating <laughs> <laughs> every die is presumed to be a d6 no or they, I think, no we're, I aren't there a few with d20s uh, sword oh, of Dungeons and Dragons. Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. To yes. D20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, Are there that's like broken. D hundreds? <laughs> Just go for one. The one roll win. Hundred sided die. <laughs> it seems like with Brainiac though, and some of the other die rolling cards that let you roll additional dice or add right. numbers to your rolls, that you probably can do this pretty fast. I think. Well, and and doubling season. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> you, you can double the counters. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, ooh, Carrick's other thumb. Yep. Mm-hmm. Combo. Oh, it's like a combo. That. Yes, that is a combo. <laughs> yeah, this seems this seems like a card that should be in, in normal sets. But I guess we don't have any die rolling in normal sets. All right. We, next we have Clocknapper. Three blue blue, human spy, two two. When Clocknapper enters the battlefield, choose beginning phase pre-combat main phase combat phase post-combat main phase or ending phase steal that phase from target player during his or her next turn that card's really fun i can see this being black bordered so i thought this was the greatest card ever until i read the (laughs) rules clarification so when you steal a phase what you do is you take your turn during that person's phase like you take that phase you don't you don't mind slaver their phase. Oh, they still get it? No, no. You so if I steal your beginning phase, and uh-huh. beginning phase I learned is untap upkeep draw. <laughs> that's a, so think nickel bolus, but they, that's what they've named it. So instead of you untapping upkeeping and draw, right during that time I do my untap upkeep draw. So my trigger, my upkeep triggers trigger. I draw a card. I untap, and then it goes to your pre-combat main phase okay so so, like I, if, so i don't control your turn or something right. during that i just take my extra uh turn right. you know phase during that you 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 steal it i don't control yours i just get your phase so yeah. you don't have it right so okay so it's not like mind slaver at all i guess that's actually not that's as much powerful as fair. it seems yeah because 
if you think about it, like, you attack with your stuff on your turn, your stuff's gonna be tapped and not very useful, so how good is stealing an attack phase after you've already just attacked with everything? Or, I mean, I guess, worst case, you draw an extra card and get to untap your stuff? Like, maybe that's just the best thing you do with this card, is just steal the, whatever they're calling the Nicobolas phase uh, these days? Yeah, it's I I I I'd much ha- I'd much rather take the mind slaver. I want someone to cast pact of something, pact of negation, and then you just steal their upkeep and don't pay and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> like that that seems so much more fun than just oh okay I just get a random phase here in the middle of nowhere. That's that's not fun. <laughs> right. All right. So that's all the spoilers you want to talk about. So unstable releases, December eighth, I think. December eighth. Yeah, that's yes. still that's still a long time. That's. That's still that is not this week, Friday, but Friday, two next weeks Friday. almost. However, yeah. though, I think that means that pre-release is this weekend, or is that wrong? Or that is pre-release after the actual release? No, pre-release should be this weekend. But then, how do you play Urza? Because <laughs> it's I not just, active until the eighth. You... <laughs> I, really, I honestly don't know. Yeah, that's wow. actually really funny. five five mana do nothing card. Literally, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Wow, that is uh when the when game. do they actually release the abilities for Urza like by the it end says, of the month? It's it says come back on the eighth, yeah. live. Oh, huh. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Uh, all right, quick question <laughs> though. Are are you guys more or less likely to play Unstable now that the full spoiler is out? Unstable actually does have a pre-release though, right? Yes, I know it has a pre-release. Okay. Um, I can try to double-check the date. Let me check my LGS right now <laughs> as we're talking. Yeah. Um, in terms of am I going to play Unstable, I will likely do just what I did for Unhinged and play, like, one draft. I think, I think may, uh, from what I remember, okay, Unhinged, I played a pre-release and one draft. And that was pretty much it. I think uh, I would likely... Just keep it to a draft. All right, my LGS doesn't have unstable pre-release events. Maybe yeah, I don't know if there's actually. <laughs> I, I can't find it. I don't think well, they I'll have make... any. I have maybe not seen not. anything about pre-releases for this set. But there's no huh. release either. Like I don't. Maybe it's just too early. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. No, we would have definitely seen something by by now. As far as me, I'm actually I'm more likely to play it, but I still don't think I'll be able to go to an event because i got stuff going on next weekend but i after seeing the whole set it does look really fun to draft it seems like the perfect set to just buy a box of have a bunch of your friends or your play group over hang out for the evening and yeah. and draft some unstable it seems like as a one or two time experience it would probably be really fun i, I will say this and this is kind of you know, even when I brought up the questions of like, oh, why is this in this set? Uh, it just kind of seems like a generic black border card. Um, I-, I think overall, now that I've seen the whole set, I agree with the folks that brought up, you know, it is for the sake of having better limited and, and you know, playing the set. Because this seems like a really big uh, step forward from the other joke sets where this actually looks like it can play well. Uh Things got a little weird. Even I understand it was a joke, and there, this isn't like a real set. But even playing limited uh, and the pre-release of the previous unset got a like it was just kind of weird. Sometimes didn't seem like all the cards meshed together very well. This seems much better in terms of how the cards blend together. So that was definitely if that was definitely their goal. I think they 
I don't buy that argument, though, because I think, like, take Novella Mental. The 2-1 flyer can only block creatures with flying. They could have just tacked on, I don't know, squirrels can also not block squirrels or, like, hosts or something to to not make it a literal black border card. So I feel like there were ways around it that you could still have, like, the exact same effect for limited, but not have just an actual functional black border reprint. Right. Yeah, I I don't really care for limited. I really want to play unset constructed or uh, unset EDH is what I really want to play, but I probably can't. So that's probably never gonna happen. Maybe maybe I'll get a draft in somewhere, but like there's so many weird build around me cards and combos that the chances of you getting it in your draft deck are probably like slim to none. So. I just wish there was some place to play, you know, unset constructed or unset EDH. Okay, um, moving on to Iconic Masters. Iconic Masters officially released. Uh, not that many folks, uh, <laughs> with everything that's been happening, um, and even just other set, like other information of other sets being released, um, Iconic Masters uh, has been released. It can the prices continue to decrease. Um, since then, we've learned that um, big box stores, Walmart, um, Target, etc., carry you know the three pack uh, boosters for Iconic Masters, um, and now it's pretty widespread. More reports of bad card stock, um, unacceptable card stock for uh, Iconic Masters, um, and you know at first I would I thought maybe it's just you know a small problem uh much like you know before where you you know you kind of have you know your issues but this is certainly more widespread than i thought and this is really unacceptable when it comes to ten dollar packs yeah this set release was kind of a disaster i think in a whole bunch of ways like i think it's awesome that they did it for hascon i think that was a really cool idea but waiting two months to actually release it i think really killed the hype by the time the set was actually available for sale it was unstable it was rival spoilers so all the hype that build up like if you think back one of the most fun magic days of this entire year for me was uh the iconic master spoiler day when random twitter accounts and reddit posts and everyone was like sleuthing to try to find what rarities the cards were and waiting for people to open packs like that was really cool like that was well done but Waiting so long definitely killed the hype. Uh, I don't know what they're doing as far as supply. Like, having this, having your premium product in Walmart's a little weird. And people were selling boxes for 150 bucks, which is absurdly cheap for a master set. So, yeah. it seems like supply is super high. And I saw some pictures of literal front of the card peeling off of the back of the card from people on Twitter. Like... This wasn't just like, oh, my card's a little bendy. This seemed like it was actually somehow worse than the problems we had been having as far as card stock. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, plus all those problems. I mean, we were. It, it seemed like the cards were foil from some of the pictures that I saw that this was happening more foils where they're just literally peeling right off the cardboard. Uh, but we still seem to see the same old um, kind of scuffed and marked up right out of the pack. Uh, curling, may, you know, not even like 24 hours after opening. Um, and that's just like when you're paying $10 a pack, that's just not, that's just not good. Um, and 
I don't think I see this problem as widespread in more you know other card games. Now, if I'm wrong, that's you know I apologize. But I mean those the premium like I, I've played Pokemon and those premium like super foily cards, you know as foil as they are. I mean I have still a few even from older sets that don't curl nearly as much as that or have never seen um, the foil part of the card literally just peel right off the the back of it. So I don't know. I mean, this it does seem worse, Seth. It's, it's right. pretty bad for a collectible card game. I mean, people open packs. They've had their cards for less than a week, and the cards are exploding, like literally like <laughs> peeling apart. Like, I understand that they probably were printed, like, maybe six months ago, so this card is actually six months old, but, like, how bad does your QA need to be to let something like this happen? What's going to happen in five years? You know, do you have any faith that your cards will still, you know, be intact in two years, right? So, I don't know what they're doing. They're probably, you know, trying to cut costs, use different suppliers or whatever, and they're, you know, they're running into these problems because, I mean, prior to the last year, like, we never heard of anything about card stock quality that wasn't a thing right and we've gotten to the point where like counterfeit cards have better card stock quality like <laughs> I, I don't know what what's going on anymore but Watsy needs to solve it fast and i don't like I, I don't know right like it's just unacceptable to buy a brand new pack open it and then have your chase cards just split apart like that's especially a ten dollar pack on top of that right so that that just feels bad all around and the foils are like the selling point of the set like you get a foil in every pack that's the cool twist why you pay ten dollars a pack so it's even more so than a normal set to have this happen with your premium product is just i don't i don't know i just i don't understand why this is happening because wizards printed magic cards for 20 years without this being an issue so i don't understand why they're just like huh whatever we're doing for the past year isn't working let's do it the way we did for the first 20 years where everyone was happy with it and this wasn't happening so uh they got to figure this out fast like uh, they got to figure it out because this is something that really will make people not keep buying magic cards if you're some random person that picks up a pack at walmart and you want it because it looks cool and has sweet art, and then your cards just fall apart after a week. Why are you going to buy Magic again when you can buy Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever else is next to Magic in the you know the checkout aisle? Yeah, and and especially like I get that you know it is kind of an echo chamber, and it's easy to equate. Well, I see it you know enough on the social airwaves, so it's probably a widespread issue. Um, you know that might not always be the case, but. It, at least for me, you know, and this is going back at least to, you know, Hour of Devastation where I firsthand saw these issues. Um, it's almost like 50-50 out of the pack now if it's either fine or not fine. And that's just opening the pack. You don't know what you're going to get like 24 to 48 hours later um, when they start curling. And, you know, if you happen to live in you know, a place that's dry or, or a little humid. I mean, it might even be by the end of the day. So I, I really don't know because, what well, I mean, do you just lock your cards in a co- climate-controlled room from now on? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you do to combat this. So what, do you, what are your guys' takes on the fact that this is available at Walmart and Target? I know when they first released it, uh, there were, like, pricing errors and coupons to stack, and people were running away with, like, $4 packs and stuff. Yeah. Like, what is, what, what, like, is that, what, what happens to the secondary market when that happens, and how does this affect kind of the, 
master's set economy, like kind of the premium products. I don't know when they struck up the deal to have these at big box stores. Um, it certainly wasn't public knowledge that these would be available at those places until I saw that they, you know, when it was shown to me that they were there. Um, and that was release day or or day before or what have you. I had no idea they would even be at the big box stores and I, I wasn't expecting that they would. Um, and then I started to wonder, do you think it's possible that this set was overprinted to make sure there was enough uh, product at Hascon and they just did not have the numbers? I don't think so. I mean, like, you just got to print, like, an extra case or something for Hascon, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's not I mean, that much, Maybe right? they didn't think that. Maybe they thought, like, you know, thousands upon thousands of people, like, they would have, like, legitimately a Comic-Con. And they had, like, what, a fraction of that, if, if that? Uh, seems, if they did that, that would be, like, totally weird. I think it more has to do with Q4 and Christmas. Like, they want sure, to beef that up their numbers, so they're like, ah, oh, we'll just give this to Walmart, and we'll sell lots of right. magic or something. It just seems that there's so much out there. I mean, I've, I've seen eBay sellers with, like, thousands sold already. Like, over a thousand boxes sold already. That just seems absurd. I don't know where this is all coming from. This has to be a little. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit of everything, right? They wanted a, they wanted this particular master sets to be around for the holidays and accessible. They wanted to print enough for what they thought would be a huge turnout for Hascon. I, I just don't know. They just, I, I don't understand why. There's just so much out there. Yeah, I don't. It like almost seems optics. like there's more than regular sets. Yeah, it does seem like there's a ton out there. That's for sure. And I just, I don't really like the optics of it. I think part of what makes master sets special is that you don't see them in the checkout aisle at Walmart. And if you're trying to sell stuff to the random Christmas shopper or someone that is browsing the trading card aisle. You got Explorers of Ixalan, you got Commander decks, you got a new dual deck that just came out, you got all the normal packs, there's so many magic products there that I don't know if, I don't know if it's a good idea to have Master Sets be in the checkout line. It's also, the other thing we haven't mentioned is, it kind of seems like a screw you to local game stores, like uh, Master Sets is one of their their big profitable items that they, you can't get from any place else. Right. And I don't know, taking it away from local game stores and giving it to Walmarts doesn't sit right with me necessarily. Yeah. I think that particular part may be overblown, but I, I do agree. It, it definitely doesn't help uh, because at the end of the day, whether they're at Walmart or not, you don't go to Walmart to, you know, LGSs provide a lot more than Walmart does than just buying packs um and i would assume anyway that the you know at this point anyway that everyone is pretty uh competitive in terms of pricing for these these packs so you might not even be wanting to buy them from walmart or target or something like that because they're they're basically msrp if not more and judging from how much out there you definitely get a better deal at an lgs and you can draft and sit down and play and all that so I'm not buying that argument as much, but they, they it it is certainly um, odd that they are at the big box stores when normally you're right. LGS is kind of have that privilege of 
they get these types of sets. Yeah, I mean, I think you're underestimating what people do to save money because, you know, you can coupon stack, there are reward yeah, that's programs, true. That, that's there's true. misprices that don't happen at your LGS because they know what they're selling. So if you can go to Walmart and buy a pack of Iconic Masters for three bucks or something, or sure. even five, right? Like the, the price that it would cost you to buy a box, but you can buy packs individually, I think people would go there in a heartbeat. And it kind of sucks for LGSs that that's even out there because, you know, the LGS can't take a loss on their magic products. That's what they use to make money, right? Whereas Walmart doesn't care. They'll sell you a soda and make up the profit or whatever, right? So I think it kind of sucks. I mean, it's not going to kill any LGS outright, but if it keeps going, that's kind of the start of the end of it, right? I know that they, at least where I am, they've sold because I went there on release day, it was just randomly at Walmart, and they had a whole bunch of them. And I was there over the weekend, and they were completely cleaned out. Not a yeah. single Iconic Masters pack. So they are being purchased by someone. I think my bigger question is, do you guys think that Iconic Masters is some weird exception? Or moving forward to 25th Masters in just like three I months from now, yeah, I... should we be expecting that in Walmart in super high supply in $150 boxes? Like, is this what Master Sets are now? Or is this just a freak thing? I don't know. I, I would I would think it's a freak thing. Um, if anything, if that's where they were trending to start going, hopefully they look at the feedback and, and they see that this is probably not where they should go. Um, because... You know, not that I mean. Overall, I think it's great for prices of cards, um, and, and again, lowering that barrier. The way I see it, I, I think it was successful that it was so controlled over the last few years, um, and I get that there's still, you know, arguments to say that well, if they do it this way, then they're not really making a huge effect on card prices in modern. But the numbers are there. I mean, they they definitely have had their effects on prices. And overall, bringing the cost down of the barriers of, of some of these, you know, modern, you know, legacy or what have you, commander. Um, but I, I just still think it needs to be like a controlled thing, and you can't just have every different outlet selling these types of products. Yeah, I I think they're trying to see how far they can push the envelope on this. Basically, yeah. how much supply they can give while maintaining this price. So I suspect it will continue. I suspect they're, they're you know, oh, you know, we, we sold this much product at this price. You know, why limit yourself to half the supply, right? You can make double the money, you can double the supply and still sell at the same price. So I think they're going to keep pushing the envelope till they find that point where people feel oversaturated. Because we kind of see this with like, you know, the three masters set in a row or whatever. We start off at like one every two years. And now we're coming down to, like, just so many master sets, we can't keep track of them. So I, I think they're just pushing as much supply as they can and seeing how we react. So I suspect that it will just keep going. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, again, in terms of individual card prices, I mean, if you just look, and even on the site, I mean, a lot of these cards have been cut immediately in half, if not more. And and continuing to drop. I mean, even some of these prices listed on the website, you can still find card, uh, you know, these cards for even cheaper than that. Pretty readily available. Um, so, I mean, Grover the Burnwell is. I'm mean, just even just looking right here. Wasn't that like 
60 bucks at one point, $75. Wasn't it something crazy like that? Mm-hmm. I think it was it's around like there, yeah. Well under 20 if not less. Uh, and you can find them pretty easily. I mean, I'm looking at eBay recent complete. It's like 10 bucks. And I don't even think it's reached the bottom. That's not no. even taking into account like all the vendors that were selling $150 yeah. boxes over the weekend for Black Friday. That that supply is not even on the market yet. So I don't. I think that we haven't even seen. No, I don't think we're anywhere not. near the bottom for prices for most of these cards because the supply is just so big. Short it, of maybe five cards, a lot of these cards will be near or basically bulk. And yeah. wait, that's great for prices, but I, I don't know if you could just drop prices that that much that quickly. Like I said, I, I think before how they were doing it so successful that they were so controlled in how they released these master sets um, that you would see considerable decreases, but nothing like this. It's just weird to me because when they started doing master sets, they were so concerned about Chronicles and being so aware of not going too far with the reprints, that they actually went too far the other direction. Like, the first Master Sets were very undersupplied. Right, right. But now it feels like they've kind of just pulled out all the stops but, and are like, eh, we'll Chronicles it, I, we don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it is a real... I, I think it could become a real issue. The, the counter-argument that I, I've kind of been having on that, where I, I don't really think you can have Chronicles anymore. I mean, short of Modern not being as popular um i think you kind of need this extra supply out there i mean the player base has been is so much larger than it was when when chronicles was released i mean you're basically printing chronicles to like barely anyone that played the game in terms of now when you have millions um if any one of these cards becomes like a tournament you know tier one staple the the prices instantly increase so you know, it, it really, I, I think it's try to, trying to alleviate further or future interest in these cards if Modern remains, you know, as popular as it is now. Because we can, we can easily see, like, Sarah Ascendant or something like that or Ancestral Vision become a Tier 1 staple again and jump right back to almost 30 bucks. So Tinfoil Hat is, uh, we know Arena's coming. Wizards has already said that there will be a place to play your arena cards once they rotate, but that modern will not be on arena, at least for a very long time. Um, so tinfoil hat is they're just cashing out modern, like print as many master sets at as high supply as possible, and then create whatever the arena version of Frontier is and have that kind of move into modern space as the primary uh, the primary format for playing Eternal and have modern be kind of like the legacy format of yeah. Eternal. I think when this whole frontier thing, like this whole uh, you know discussion, we'll call it, started happening, I think that's kind of the conclusion that we came to even back then. And this is going what a year ago. This when this all kind of you know sprung up. Was this like a year or so ago? Kind of I feels think like so. That. Yeah, yeah, about a year ago to the date. Um, I think that was like the kind of the conclusion that we saw anyway. That we we thought. F- Frontier or something like Frontier will exist at some point. So I, I do think that is where they're going with Arena. I don't know. I, I just, uh, yeah, this is this is certainly a lot at one time. And I, I thought that they were doing a really good job at controlling the decreases on, on these uh, formats. Like Modern... Still is pretty expensive, whether you want to argue it or not. I, I think 800 You know, I took the average price of the top 10 decks or something like that. 
And $800 is a lot. I mean, whether you want to argue it or not, it is a lot. But that's, I think, almost half of what it used to be. Yeah, it's definitely down considerably from where it used to be. And yeah. I don't think it can go too much cheaper, because then you're getting into the whole standard like right. territory of standard decks are 300 bucks. You can't really have modern decks be 300 bucks. It's got to be more expensive, I think. I, I, to think, make- I think a healthy range for modern decks should be four to five hundred dollars and i don't think standard decks should be much more than a hundred bucks i don't know how wizards can do that with standard under the current model though yeah i don't i i I thought they didn't they have it pretty well like they they actually achieved that for a while there i think we were down under 200 like around maybe like 175 150 somewhere in that range yeah that's probably much better so 150 for standard, three to 500 for modern. But that seems about right. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it being a little bit higher. I think, like, I don't think that having 200 and, like, 500 to 600 is that bad as far as prices. I do agree that 800 is still more than I think is ideal for modern. I think it's still high, even though it definitely has improved over the last couple years. Yeah, definitely. And certainly would be... (laughs) <laughs> decrease further with something like Iconic Masters. So, All right. I mean, uh, we'll monitor this as we go. I mean, we have another Master set around the corner almost, so uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. So we do have a ton of fish mail, uh, but we also wanted to talk about, in a more general sense, uh, a more meta perspective, um, some of the, you know, the, the unfortunate events that happened over you know, the course of the weekend. And this is not just, you know, this is certainly a catalyst, but this is something that has obviously been around for quite some time. And it is more than just a Magic the Gathering problem. Um, and we're, we wanted to touch on um, bullying, harassment, and just, I mean, just general, I guess, etiquette towards other people in, that play Magic in our, in our Magic community. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, I, I said a few things over social media. Um, like I said, this is not something I normally talk about. Uh, but, yeah, and, and it, you know, it took a lot for me to say some of this, some of the things that I said. But I wanted to kind of hear what, what you both, you know, had to say. So I'll let you go first, Richard. Yeah, so I, I think we're all in agreement that this is bad, right? We don't want this part of our community uh, you know, you don't want people attacking other people. You don't want people inciting hate mobs against other people and whatnot. So I think we're pretty clear on that. But the question is, what is Wizards' role in all of this? And what should they or should they not be doing? And what can they actually do? Because you can ban someone, DCI ban, right? But that doesn't do much if they don't play competitive magic. Uh, it's a symbolic gesture, right? It shows, you know, what their stance is. Uh, but it doesn't really affect anything. And the bigger problem is we say the magic community, but it's usually not just one community, right? It's usually pockets of community and they don't interact with each other normally until they're slinging dirt at each other. So, you know, excluding someone from the magic community, this person's already been excluded for so long that hasn't stopped. So kind of banning them from our community hasn't really done anything because they've effectively been banned for quite a while from our community but that hasn't stopped the attacks it hasn't done anything so how how does wizard solve this and 
what kind of precedent is it set? Do they go legal action, right? You know, stop using our IP. You know, we don't want you associated with our product. Uh, we're going to sue you, you know, or do they, you know, reach out to the monetary support, you know, reach out to YouTube, Patreon and whatnot and try to get the account shut down. What do they do? And they're kind of stuck in a hard place because let's say they, they deal with this particular person in this case. What happens when the next person gets bullied? Is Watson going to step in there? Because guarantee you it's going to happen, right? And do they have to keep doing this for every single instance? And at what point do they stop? So they're kind of in a hard place and I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it's just a whole bunch of gray area. And, you know, the one thing they have done to say, come out and say cyberbullying is bad, but that that's just like a statement. They haven't really done anything about it. And are they able to do more? So that that's my question. And I was hoping they'd have something today because they said they'd have something Monday morning, but apparently they don't. And maybe that means something harsher is coming. Like if they have to delay their statement, maybe that means they got to talk with legal. Maybe that they got to run it through, you know, the higher ups or something. I, I don't know what that means, but they haven't said anything as of yet. Yeah, I was hoping for a statement this morning, too. And I kind of feel like you. I don't. I don't know what Wizards can do. I think from Wizards' perspective, other than, like, the statement they made, the which I think most everyone would agree with, that cyberbullying is bad, we, people shouldn't be treated that way. That's kind of common human decency stuff that apparently some people don't understand, but most reasonable humans get that. I don't know what their action is. I feel like if they go the legal route, that that's probably going to set them up for a full-out, like, public war with... Uh, it seems like there will be some free speech lawyer or something that will pick up this mantle and try to make this a huge deal, and it'll be in non-magic websites, and it'll be this big thing, and I don't know if they they want to go that direction. A banning doesn't seem like it's particularly effective at solving the problem. Like It's a, a fine symbolic gesture, but it doesn't do anything to end harassment or videos or social media or the other issues, so... I have no idea. I'm just kind of waiting to see because I can't really see a great, easy solution from Wizards' perspective that will solve the problem and make everyone happy. Yeah. Um, so the, this issue is is clearly multifaceted. Um, I I really don't know if there's any one right answer, but I think, and I and I said this over the social airwaves. Um, I think at, at least a bare bones. And it's not even really a stance. I mean, I, I think a bare bones statement and and just n- knowledge of this is this isn't political. This isn't you know this isn't a narrative. Uh, and this is some of the stuff that I've seen over you know some some kind of unfortunate um, back and forths over Twitter and what have you. Um, this this at its core is just common human decency. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know what they can do. I'm not an expert at this, but I know that maybe at the very least, um, that you can stop maybe the monetization of this, um, you know, on certain websites like Patreon, YouTube, maybe you, you do, you go that route. Uh, but this is certainly not a magic problem and it, it gets actually much worse than this, and um, you know, I teach, I teach uh, 
you know, young adults over, you know, my summer class is, you know, a kind of a, it's like a four hour class. Um, and it's game design, you know, other folks, you know, it's at a community college, but it's for young, young adults, you know, some of them do graphic design and what have you. So it's more of like, it's kind of like a tech, you know, based, you know, uh, pre-college they, they, they name it. So, and, and I just see some of these, these students, you know, come in and when they're not working, they're on YouTube a lot. And I would like to say that this is just in the magic community, but it's, it's way bigger than that. And I just hear some of these names that I've never heard before. I'm not very well versed. So I apologize. You know, I've had some students, you know, will come up to me and say, Hey, do you know this, this YouTuber, uh, Keemstar or something like that, or PewDiePie or, or what have you. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really get into that. What's YouTube? (laughs) Yeah. Not, not quite what's, what's YouTube, but don't know these people for sure. Or these names. And I, and I watch some of these videos and they're just, (laughs) they're horrible. And I'm like, you watch this? And like, what, what is this all about? And, I think just for me, the really, really unfortunate thing is when you have that much influence and your videos reach that many people. I mean, we're talking about 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, you know, early teenagers. <laughs> like, when when they search for some of this stuff, like Magic the Gathering or something like that, like, those types of the videos... Um, and I'm not going to name names, but I will say some of the uh, examples that you know everyone seems to want to know where this is coming from. Some of the examples are provided, uh, I think, in the recent Tolarian Community College um, video. You should probably go watch that. Um, this is the type of content that they are going to view, and you know, it's one thing to have a critique of someone or their work. And have it be professional. Even if you don't agree with what they're doing, you can even have harsh words. Listen, I, I've been through two degrees in the art world, and I've been told my, my work flat out sucks by some, by some professors. And it, 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 it hurts. It does suck. Um, it's not what you want to hear. And that's where this whole thick skin thing comes into play. But that is not a pass to harass and and continue to target specific folks in just the most awful of ways and and say wait be deliberate in the hurtful things that you're saying this is going well beyond what they do for a living and their work and i think it's that that maybe wizards can step in because it's a a pattern it's not just one video that happened to critique someone and someone, you know, got upset and left. And, you know, that could be say, maybe that's an overreaction because they are critiquing your work. It was well thought out. That is not what I'm seeing here. Um, and, and as a teacher, you know, if, if I had students conduct themselves that way in, in a critique, um, that is just not acceptable at all. And that, that would easily be, addressed through you know the college uh because that is that is bullying that is harassment and that is not critique so i i really don't know what they can do uh it's really unfortunate that this is 
this was a catalyst, but this is by no means the first time uh, this topic or these actions have been, you know, have have sprung up in our community. And I think Richard's right. I mean, this is not just one community. It's kind of a, it's a multi-pocketed community that comes together. This is overall a microcosm of just gaming culture and community and just overall our society in general. So, I mean, this is what is going on in the day-to-day um, dialogue. I don't know what Wizards can do. So I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I'm not an expert. But at the very least, I think uh, you can at least demonetize uh, someone from, you know, making a profit off these types of comments. Yeah, I, I don't know what wizards can do about this because, like we just said, it's beyond kind of magic. And really, you're talking about YouTube and Patreon and stuff like that. And what yeah. do they do about it? I don't know what their rules are for harassment and bullying and whatnot. And if they have rules baked in to that, uh, you know, like, for example, if someone decides to show porn on YouTube, well, that's against their rules. You get banned, removed, demonetized, whatever. Does that same thing follow for harassment? So I think if you really want to change, you kind of need to go beyond Watsi and look at kind of the platforms themselves and in general, just the laws in the various countries. Because I know certain countries have much stronger cyberbullying laws, like... Uh, there's no such thing as like an anonymous internet account in certain places. All of your accounts are tied to your social security number or the equivalent of it. So when you're a troll posting some crap on the internet, people can actually track you down, right? They know who you actually are, and if you're breaking laws, you go to jail. So maybe something like that needs to be done, I don't know, but it seems like all Watsi can do is kind of just put out a statement and push for change but i don't know that they themselves have the power to make the changes because it's kind of on things outside their game right the only thing they have power over is the dci and if you don't play competitive magic or go to your lgs then a dci banning does basically nothing and that's kind of all the power they have right so the other power would be kind of lobbying and getting you know rules changed and i think that's the only thing they can do if they even want to go there um, what I will say is this is unfortunately going to continue to be a problem uh, because you just, I mean, you can definitely minimize it. And I, and I think we, you know, it, it's definitely been better. Um, it's definitely had times where, or long stretches of times where, you know, it, it's fine. Um, so I think we're we're getting there. It's definitely a lot better. But... I would urge folks who have, you know, more of an influence and more of a reach uh, to not, you know, I understand folks don't want to get into, you know, as soon as something like this happens. And even, you know, we, we don't really talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast all too often. Um, and but this is not this is not political in any way. And, and to have some of the unfortunate viewpoints and takes that I've seen over this weekend is really sad. It's, it's concerning because this is a core human decency. These are core human decency values. This has nothing to do with politics. This has another, nothing to do with a narrative that, you know, or, or free speech or anything like that. Um, this is about just one, one human being 
decent to another human. We don't have to all be friends. But, I mean, just this pattern of just downright awful things that some of these, um, that a portion of the content creators that I've seen, you know, put out um, is just really, really unfortunate. So I I would urge more folks out there to not have such a, you know, to be on the fence on this. This is not something to be on the fence about. Um, I think it's not wrong to promote you know, decency amongst one another. So, uh, I, I would urge folks that, that, again, have much larger of a view to to take, to take say something and, and try to promote positive change as much as they can. You know, and I, I don't know where you go from there. Um, it's just really unfortunate what happened. And I, and I hope some of the folks that, that leave our community certainly come back. Uh, but... You know, as it is now, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I certainly don't blame anyone for leaving. I mean, some of the stuff that goes on is just really appalling. I don't know if you wanted to say anything, Seth. Kind of wrap it up. No, I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying. It definitely, it's a, it's a rough situation, and it is, like you mentioned, kind of not a situation that's unique to the magic community this is stuff that our society and our world is dealing with on on a day-to-day basis and i mean i guess hopefully hopefully we'll see change in in the real world even outside the magic community and it's it's sad to see this filtering down and impacting people in our community but hopefully that these conversations will lead to real world change where we can have conversations about, you know, what, what do we want on YouTube? How do we want to handle these situations? What kind of, you know, content are we going to support? And, uh, I don't know. So hopefully something good comes out of it, even though the situation is, uh, very sad. Yeah. And I will end on your statement. I think it's, it's best. And, um, just remember that there's, there's human beings behind, you know, these, this content and it's okay to disagree. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have issues with the content itself. But just take the extra few minutes to just realize that if what you may be saying is a direct like attack on on the person and what you're saying you know will will be hurtful. Um and you know no amount of thick skin at the end of the day is going to uh you know, shield people from from those kind of comments. I mean, it's just it's kind of crazy. I, I never really equated thick skin with with that. It's it's always been for me um, a, a you know a vocabulary for critique um, to kind of encourage folks not to take criticism to heart. And I, and I think that's kind of where this has all came from. Um, it it does not give a pass uh, for someone to just blatantly attack someone um, and, and say hurtful things and go beyond the content. So just take the extra time um, to to really think about what you're saying and how it will affect someone. And you know, keep at this. This is a, this is a daily thing. This is not going to go away overnight. Uh, this needs to you know everyone has to be active in um, you know supporting one another, um, coming together in solidarity and 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 being there and and being positive as much as we can be. All right. Um, I know we have some fish mail. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate your guys' viewpoint on that. Um, I'm glad we kind of address, uh, you know, talked about that at least in a meta perspective. 
Um, but let's let's answer some fish mail. Try to get through this as much as we can, um, as quickly as we can, because we're kind of a little over already. All right. If you have questions, send them to the hashtag #MDGFishMail on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question: Zegel sixty eight. What do you guys think about the change to F and M? You talked about it a while back, uh, when it was announced regarding the changes to tokens over promos. Uh, most of what I've heard is negative, plus no new art. So now that that's been out for a while, what do you guys think? Yeah, I still think it's uh, not as good. Um, especially because, I mean, there's literally no effort in what is being given away. I mean, these are just literally foil tokens with no new art uh, that are the tokens from that you get normally out of a pack. Um, and I don't really think that's exciting. Yeah, it's kind of worse than I thought. Because I was thinking, well, like, oh, if they go to tokens, it'll probably be sweet. Like, the unstable tokens that are actually that really been, cool. That would have been cool. So, so I think there are ways that tokens could have been kind of sweet, even though I would still have real cards. But uh, the way they have implemented it so far has been pretty disappointing. They need to bring back player rewards. They really they, they do. Need, they need to for a long time. have you grind for stuff like you know, go to twenty F and M's, receive a Thoughtseize or something, right? Like something yeah. like that. Thank you. Because you know, not everyone can win F and M, right? It encourages yeah. spiky behavior. A lot of people don't play F and M because it's too spiky. Uh, but if you just do kind of the ladder grind or whatever, like most games implement. You know, 50, 50, 50 matches at FNM gets you an Elish Norn or something. I'm sure uh, it'd be much better, especially some of these cards that, you know, like, say, Lightning Bolt, it's not worth that much. Uh, you can easily give those away. So I'd like to see that because I'm not feeling the tokens, especially no new art. Like, that's just lazy. Uh, Maxi Wawa, what are your picks for big price spikes in the hypothetical between modern and standard frontier-esque format jace friends prado yeah it would be basically every um, card that spiked during frontier <laughs> right <laughs> like is that um, not literally yeah. well the cards? you know not even yeah but i mean that was just on the surface we never you know since that format never really kind of got off the ground in a huge way um you know there's definitely smaller um cards be below the surface that would certainly increase like mana bases stuff like that fetches um, if that were to be included, I really would hope they wouldn't be, but I think the card pool is the big question. Cause we yep. just don't know right now. We know that arena is starting at Ixalan and possibly backfilling to Kaladesh. Is that going to be the card pool? Because that's what's on arena. That would be a huge difference compared to if cons block, for example, was legal with fetch land. So I think at this point it's too early to say until we know the parameters of the format. Cause I don't think wizards will just implement frontier. I think it'll be, Something similar, but with a card pool of their choosing. Yes. All right, next question. Lord Tyman2890. How does Gusilda Monster Masher work with Undying and Persist? How does she work with oh. Meld? Finally, Gary and Fanatic Amogus is meant to be one. Gary and Fanatic Amogus is sweet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, I assume should... it works just like you think it would Yeah, work. it comes back with no counters. Yeah, yeah. I would assume. I'm assuming that I how, don't. But is it still a fused card? I don't know if you can flip. Can you flip a meld? Yeah, I think last pair? time we talked about this, they would really just be the front sides fused together. Okay. But I would personally let people just meld the backside. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, does it nice. exile them and make tokens? Is that is that how that works? Is it a token that combines them, or are you like reanimating? I would have to read Gaselda. 
Because I don't think I, I uh, think it just combines the two cards to one card. Yeah, like I don't think it's tokens. I think they just you just put the cards yeah. on top of each other and call I, it. A I, game. But yeah, mm-hmm. if they're once they once they leave play, I don't know what happens. But do they? Yeah, leave? I, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Next question, Interplaner MTG. Do you think there's a chance of an energy banning in Standard leading to players turning it into a modern energy deck with Marvel as the win con? It's not very um, good. I think I've if, tried it. Yeah, I think if yeah, if energy was going to be successful, probably would have been by now in modern. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we're at the point of banning. I think you can play it in modern, but I've just never seen it be consistently good enough. The cards that are so good in standard are a little bit underpowered in modern. So like, yeah. so I, I don't know. People would try it, but I don't expect it to be like a tier deck or anything. Yeah, you got the real Tarmogoyf to contend with Long Toss Cove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. Codal X. Hi from... CDMX, I'm a big fan. The other day I saw a video of Alpha Investment where the issue was the reduced 40% of Magic players according to data announced by Mark Rosewater. But I don't have the source to this. Do you guys know anything about this? Seth, I think you actually talked about this. Yeah, Seth, yeah, please talk about this. So basically... There was a number from a couple years ago that said 20 million Magic players. Then there was an article recently that said 12 million active Magic players. And Mark Rosewater actually confirmed on Twitter uh, that basically the problem is the 20 million is kind of a loose definition of player. Like maybe you played six months ago. Maybe you're vaguely aware of Magic and played it one time. While 12 million is actual, like, active, I don't know the exact parameters, if it's like you play every week or every month or every three months, but those are actually active Magic players. So instead of a a mass exodus from the game, it's actually just (laughs) different ways of counting who's a player. All right, next question. Eleven Vicious, I'm sure you've been asked before, but why doesn't Wizards create modern sets, new cards for modern that would be too good for standard? They should. They I, should. I've been a big supporter of this for a long time. Yeah, we've so been saying this I on hope the cast. that they do eventually. Yes, we've been saying this on the cast for a very long time. All right, next question. More than Afro 11, you guys have been a major source of info since I started playing Magic. I've never complained about Seth's pronunciation. However, I cannot stand by the wayside as he butchers Phoebe, head of sneak. Wait, what did, what did you call Phoebe? Uh, Phoebe, uh, I believe. Phobie. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. So I never oh, watched actually, Friends. Can, can we? Can, <laughs> yes, I never. I never watch Friends. <laughs> actually, it's, can we? Can we discuss really quickly? Really quickly. Can we put an end to? Uh, there was like a new. I don't know if anyone you know for, who's listening. There's a character or a champion that came out for League of Legends, Zoe, Z O E. But apparently, f- folks that I know want to go the Zoe route. Now, when I grew up, I I've known Zoes <laughs> in my class. You know, in elementary school and middle school, that has spelled their name Zoe, just like you know what's Phoebe. But it's Zoe, right? Like, I, I always thought of it as Zoe. They're like, no, Zoe has a Y at the end. I'm like, no. I think it's Zoe. I think it's Zoe. It's Zoe, but right? Like, I also Phoebe, thought it was Phoebe's or Phoebe, so. Zoe. <laughs> but why is it Phoebe? I don't know. So, oh, but that that would work in your case, though, Seth. All right. Phoebe, Zoe. Yeah. Right. 
what I've learned is English makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> right? It's just like random. You just got to know what it is. And I've never heard. I'm sure there's Zoe's out there with a Y at the end, but I have only ever seen Zoe with a Z. Wait, Z O E. So it was like really. Like, ticking me off that they were. <laughs> oh, it's Zoe. I'm but like, what is that? Didn't they say her name during the champion spotlight? Like, yes, is this even up they for did, debate? But they're like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm there's not... a canonical source for this. <laughs> we're not going to talk about Ixalan. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, why half the people say Ixalan and half the people say Ixalan on, like, the Watsi yeah. stream, but. I'm on cat. <laughs> <laughs> there's a question here, though. Uh, if Chaz and Richard had to restrict themselves to one, which guild would they be? And on a scale of Mystic Snake to Shardless Agent, how Simic is Seth? Oh. Just one guild, Golgari. Seth is not Simic. Easily. He's not Simic. Easily Golgari. Yeah, Demir. you can't be Simic. That, that, that would imply that he likes green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's more Demir or... Definitely Demir. Azorius, maybe. I would say probably maybe. more Demir, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm Golgari. It's pretty Going pretty Golgari. Simple. Definitely going Golgari. All right, next question from Ronald Foster Jr. Last week you spoke about how different products are for different players. Why not few products done well? Casual spikes and pros can all play from standard master set and occasionally specialty product, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I, I do think it, it, it can get a little overwhelming at some, at some points, and I, I would agree that less but better is, is still overall better, but... I mean, if you look, it's not like any one of the products that they've released are terrible. I mean, Explorers of Ixalan, there was there were some good things there. From the Vault Transform, there was some good you know there were some good things there. Bearing any you know talk about the cardstock or whatever on the foiling process, but um, I thought overall all their products have been fine. So I don't know. I mean, if they were if they were just out there to be out there and they were just completely bad, then I would probably say something. But you know. I haven't seen anyone that's been that mediocre, other than maybe the dual decks. But even, like, Merfolk and Goblins was okay. I assume that Wizards just has some data that shows that this is the most profitable way to do yeah. it. <laughs> so I assume that that's actually the the answer. They must, they must think they make more money this way because they're doing it this way. Mm. Yeah, also prices. Like, you can't expect a brand new casual player to drop $8 a pack on some master set. So that's why I think right. they just kind of gear that towards expert players or whatever. Uh, next question, Darmok8771. What do you think of enters tapped fetchable duels at common? Seems good for standard budget decks and could potentially warp Popper. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about Popper to know if that would be a good or a bad thing. In standard, it's just kind of, unless there's fetch lands in the format, it doesn't actually do a whole lot. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm not against it, but I'm not really sure what that would do to Popper. I don't think they could be common. Even if they were did come into play tapped, I just don't know if they could. Maybe they don't untap the next turn to, like, double tapped. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then they, yeah, they could, they could stay common at that point. <laughs> All right. Next question. J. Pablo Limon. I just got my commander deck stolen. Mile. The anima, uh, and I don't have a collection to build again. I only buy singles and only play commander. Do you have advice to start over? I might stop playing magic. Oh, oh no, that's horrible. That. Um, um, maybe a budget deck to start off with, and just slowly build towards a more more yeah. competitive deck. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll jot down uh, the this user. 
I know there's there's definitely folks that make the best of wait they put like cost restrictions. Um, I'll get you in touch with like the eight eight buck modern uh, group. Maybe that'll help. Cause there's yeah there's definitely folks out there that really make a pretty strict budget uh, for like like I said modern. Um, I I would I would make a, a strict budget to rebuild um, the commander deck and then just you know slowly build on. Yeah, start out with a a budget deck. We have a bunch of budget commander decks on the site, or just a pre-constructed deck like you know Commander 2017 or Commander 2016 as they start, and then slowly build your way back up. Yeah, but if anything, yeah, the, definitely the products. It, that's if you like any of them. If not, yeah, uh, we can just we can try to help out. All right, next question. Desi Nohe, in a vacuum, is Five Color Humans the best deck in Modern right now? It preys on combo decks, can outrace Affinity, and tough matchup against mid-range control. Whoa, whoa. Um, I think it's really strong. I, I don't know if we can go best deck in Modern, though. I just don't know if there's that long of a track record. I mean, I think it's a a legit tier 1.5 deck at least and that it's good, but I think it's hard for there to really be a best deck in modern. There's just so much going on that I don't think there is a deck that's just better than everything else. You have good matchups, you have bad matchups, it depends on sideboard cards, so I think it's good, but I would not say best deck. All right, also from Desinohe, what is the most expensive card you've ever purchased? Underground Sea. (laughs) I don't uh, even know. I don't know. Yeah, I would like to say underground C. Yeah, probably underground C at this point. I I don't. I haven't really gone higher. I I have no inclination to own power or anything like that. But um, pretty much all my cards come from buying collections. So I don't know what the. I don't know if I've ever bought an expensive single. What's the card, most expensive collection honestly. you bought? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> geez, maybe like four grand ish is probably the oh. most expensive one. Yeah. Wow. You, you, did you drive one of those, like, armored trucks to go pick been, it up? That, yeah, that <laughs> definitely... You you traveled for that one. It was, it was a good collection. Uh, I don't... Yeah. Uh, I think the most expensive card I ever bought was probably Dual Lands, Force of Will, Wasteland. It, it falls off pretty quickly after that. Jace's... <laughs> Uh, I, hey, I yeah. don't buy foils. And you only get more expensive were... by going after like foils or kind of like yeah. original printings, stuff like that. Uh, next question, just dude forty five. Seth seemed excited about unstables, trample, burn. Do you think Watsy would print errata spells with lifelink? Ye- well, so lightning helix is a lightning bolt with lifelink. Yeah, I mean, we do I have some of that. I mean, uh, what is it, Grandmaster? Soulfire, yep. Soul Ma- whatever. Soulfire Grandmaster. Soulfire Grandmaster. Yeah, we got there. We got there. Soulfire Grandmaster. Yeah, but and and I think that actually was equated to you know they took un uh, mechanics and kind of built that card right. The whole life your your spells have lifelink kind of thing. So yeah, I believe it could happen in the future. Yeah, I think we could definitely. see lifelink keyworded on spells and trample. I think and either trample. one of those yeah, could work. Ooh, I want to see a two mana two two red creature that gives your spells trample. <laughs> oh, we'll oh, that would be sweet. That would again. be awesome. Our <laughs> uh, Savsveld with the short-lived two block sets coming to an end soon. Think it was more or less successful than three block sets. I felt it was better financially compared to three block sets when it came to standard deck building. I think overall it was more successful, but um, 
I think there still was – I, st- I still think there was some issues that, you know, kind of – and maybe we'll never know because they're kind of – they haven't kept the two-set blocks for that long. Um, you know, near not nearly as long as the three-set blocks. But I still think some of the issues kind of boiled over from three-set blocks into um, the two-set blocks. I mean, maybe that was because of masterpieces. I don't know. But – at the very least, I felt like the sets, their blocks rather, were more coherent and built together rather than, you know, you just have like just some one random set that just was like whatever. I feel like they were roughly the same. I don't feel like two set was significantly better than three set blocks. I think that they really nailed it with their latest change that the problem is small sets. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking of any or many small sets that I really enjoyed and thought were really good. So I think that 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 was the actual problem with small sets. And I feel like with the new change, they're going to get rid of small sets and that'll solve it. All right. That's all our fish meal this week. So thank you to everyone who sent them in. You can send them to the hashtag MDG fish mail on Twitter and we'll get to your questions next week. Uh, thank you very much for the questions, everyone. Um, all right, gentlemen, that is definitely going to be time. Um, really appreciate this, this week's cast and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, hopefully, you know, we just keep progressing from here, right? So, um, we'll see you all next week. And uh, this is going to be the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. Uh, see you all next time.